Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 24-7 Sports is David Eichel, Sean Bach here instantly reacting to Iowa's surprising 24-3 victory. Not surprising that Iowa found a way to win, Sean, but in the fashion that they did. I mean, this was a game where I think we could have saw go a lot of different ways, but Iowa's defense played great. Phil Parker finally put up his master class against a Purdue offense that doesn't have the wide receiver depth that is had in previous years. And the first half offense, especially, I thought was stellar. But, you know, I feel like we've said this over the past couple of weeks, Sean, but Iowa's maybe most complete performance. I mean, you could argue last week just in terms of a full 60 minutes. But Iowa looked like a team today, Sean, that I think we kind of expected them to look like heading into this season, not just in the eighth game of the season. Yeah, most definitely. I I remember calling to myself, too. I'm just like, just play Iowa football. Like when they had the ball on the offensive side and that's what four to five yards per play doing things that you need to do, not overcomplicating it, getting guys that are open, making the complete pass while Spencer Petras missed a couple of passes. There were, there were remember there were a couple of plays where I was like, okay, this is, this is what the offense should look like, or this is what the offense needs to look like. And obviously that long completion to Sam Laporta in the first half really seemed to open things up too. And really, you know, kind of, I guess, told the whole story or the momentum of the game seemed to be trending more heavily in favor of Iowa when that happened. So, yeah, I mean, things were really clicking for Iowa. I mean, you look at Spencer Petras, his first, I think, road touchdown pass since the Maryland game last year where Iowa came out and just dominated the Terrapins. Spencer looked really good, missed a couple passes, but, hey, I mean, that's going to happen. The offensive line had a couple hiccups here and there, but for the most part it looked really good. He really seemed to spread the love a little bit, had six different receivers, five of which had two, at least two receptions. Um, good to see Deontay Vines getting really involved. Nico Organi had that first touchdown of the year, which, I mean, came at a pretty late time, but, I mean, hey, whatever. But, with, I mean, the story of the game offensively, without a doubt, was Caleb Johnson, his 22 carries for 200 yards and one touchdown. That was the story of the game. We knew coming into this game that LaShawn Williams and Gavin Williams were going to have a limited role. Both seemed to be pretty banged up, and Iowa wanted to get Johnson the ball, and that's what they did. And, you know, while that that 75-yard run was really, you know, telling of what of the game was, if you take out that run, he had 125 yards, 21 carries. What's that around? Almost five yards per carry, which is still a very solid mark. And there's nothing, you know, wrong with that. I mean, I know a lot of people look at the the adjusted 
uh, average yards per carry and with that long run. And yes, will that really, you know, extrapolate things a little bit to almost 10 yards, 9.1 to be exact. But I think when you take out that run, I mean, five yards per carry is pretty dang good, especially for what Iowa has had this year. And I know we'll talk about later on, but I think this is one of those games too. I mean, you saw it on social media after the game. This is a game that Iowa, Iowa wanted pretty bad. Yeah. And while Charlie Jones had 11 catches for 104 yards, I think the way that it happened and the way things, you know, went and how often Aiden O'Connell was targeting him and how Iowa was able to shut Charlie down from time to time, I think, you know, you really couldn't have scripted it better if you're the Hawkeyes. I think a couple things stood out to me. One is Spencer Petras's bounce back ability. It's what you expect of a third year quarterback. And what I mean by that, Sean, is we saw Brian Ferentz get after Spencer Petrus when he missed Luke Lachey on that third down. I think that came on the second drive of the game. I mean, Brian Ferentz was in Spencer's face. Like that, not that I can remember him doing all season long. Right. And Spencer comes right back out after that and has a nine play for 91 yard drive. Sam Laporta obviously had all three catches for, I believe 72 yards, 71 yards during that drive. And he just really led the offense well. And I think, again, you want to see that bounce back ability from him. Then, of course, on the following drive, Nico Regani gets that 21-yard catch and run. But as you mentioned, Caleb Johnson, man, he it's not quite the Tyler Goodson scenario in terms of it's the eighth game of the year, which is when Tyler Goodson got his first career start during his freshman year. Johnson's been getting more and more involved. And this game has to, without a doubt, Sean, solidify him as RB1. I mean, he just brings something different. Week by week, he's getting better. I thought the offensive line did a nice job for the most part. There were a couple times where Spencer took a sack, which wasn't his fault necessarily. The offensive line broke down. You're thinking, okay, that's the Iowa offense we've seen all year. But then Iowa made a play after they gave up the sack, and I think that was a big deal, at least for me watching, that you can sort of see the incremental improvements there. And as you mentioned, Charlie Jones, 11 catches, 104, four, uh, 109, 41 of those yards came on one play. I thought Iowa did a great job on him. I mean, Aiden O'Connell targeted him 19 times. I really don't know if Aiden knew he has other receivers available to him, but he was really forcing the ball to Charlie. I thought Riley Moss, while he didn't have an interception, got called uh, with for a couple holds during the game. I actually thought Riley Moss played a really, really good game. I know the penalties weren't great and you want to eliminate those, but I thought Riley Moss had three pass breakups. He did a good job when they were targeting him because they were trying to bully ball Riley Moss for some reason today. And I thought he responded well. And again, I think you look at the defensive line while we're on the defense, Aaron Graves, he's going to be a dude, two tackles for loss and limited snaps. And you're thinking about next year, the potential starring defensive line of Lucas Van Ness, Logan Lee, Aaron Graves, and Deontay Craig. Sean, that's a very, very scary defensive line and then you throw in ya black who if he can stay healthy and continue his upward progression kelvin bell and jay neiman got some guys and of course ethan herquette's also back there and a number of other guys that can step up there as well yeah definitely and don't forget that noah shannon has a has a year to come back to if he decides to do yeah, so so that's a good point that's something to keep in mind as well and they bring in ontario thompson the Iowa western defensive tackle who they think can make an early impact at some point so yeah, I mean they got they got guys lined up, and I mean I know we talk about the Northwestern game, but you got to keep in mind that Northwestern has always been thrown in the side to Iowa, and 
you know, you look at that game and you're kind of like, okay, how much do I really want to take away from this? But this game was one of those games where, I mean, Purdue was second in the Big Ten West coming into today. I know the Big Ten West is a crapshoot, but they were second in this division. And Iowa just took it to them. Like, that was one of the more impressive, I would say, blowouts, if you want to consider that, that I've seen from Iowa against a Power 5 team, Power 5 opponent, especially a conference opponent that, you know, we've had during our coverage. I mean, obviously, you go back to the Rutgers game in 2018. Yeah. There were a couple others, too. I mean, the Maryland game last year was definitely one of them. Um trying to think if there's any really more that stand out. But this was one that, you know, not really a ton of people had a great idea of what was going to happen or how things would come out. I mean, Purdue wasn't afraid to throw the football. You know, they threw the ball 43 times, which is a little surprise. I know they love to throw the football, but it's a little bit surprising to me that they did it so many times considering what the conditions were. But, I mean, that they went to it. And, I mean, Charlie had – I think a long, I think his long was 41 yards. Yeah, it was that 41 yard. Yeah, you take away that. I mean, he had 10 receptions for what, 63 yards at that point. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not anything overly impressive, but, you know, yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, Iowa did what it needed to do. Yes, Charlie Jones is going to get his. I think Kirk kind of alluded to that during the press conference, and I think other people have as well throughout the week. Like, Charlie was going to get his, but if they throw, if, Aiden O'Connell throws the ball to Charlie more than he catches it, like significantly more, then Iowa's going to be in good shape. And yeah. that's what happened in this game. And, you know, I mean, I know Purdue hasn't had the most impressive track record of wins. You know, they beat Minnesota, but that's about, you know, all I can really comprehend. And, and Minnesota's kind of come back, back down to earth today too. I mean, they, they barely escaped yeah. Nebraska, I thought, as well today. Right. And, you know, Purdue lost to Wisconsin pretty, pretty handedly. Yeah. Um, even though it was an 11 point game, but O'Connell really struggled. And, but I mean, Iowa continued to do that. And it's one of those games, too. Like we said, I mean, Purdue has had been a thrown in Iowa's side. I mean, I know we say that so many times, the last two opponents, but they really have been that way. Yeah. And to get the win the way that they did in the, in the fashion that they did you got to really tip your hat to them because that was a very impressive performance. And I would say the most impressive one to this year. And that's even considering the Northwestern game. Cause yes, I thought Iowa was really good there, but I think Purdue is a step up from Northwestern, especially okay. offensively in the way that they've had Iowa's number in the past for Iowa to do that the way that they did. That was really impressive. I do think it's kind of funny. Look, I know the weather elements were horrible in Evanston today, but Iowa did better against Northwestern than Ohio State's offense did today. But Mm -hmm. look, again, the elements were horrible there. But yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, Sean, I think today with how bad the weather is, like Purdue knew Iowa was going to have to run the football if they wanted to have success. And Iowa ran the ball well. I mean, the first play out of the gate was that eight-yarder up the middle for Caleb Johnson. And Caleb Johnson, he just does not look like he's ever tired. I don't know if you pick up the same vibe as I do, but whether he's picking up a blitz, getting the ball back-to-back carries, back-to-back-to-back, he just seems to have that extra gear. And even on that 75-yarder, he doesn't look like he's running full speed, which is pretty incredible. And I think given that there's three games left in the regular season, one bowl game, Sean, if he continues to have this sort of success, I'll need to look it up. But he's probably going to have one of the best freshmen running back 
uh, seasons in Iowa history. I think he's already approaching Tyler Goodson's true freshman number, which I believe is 641. Let me do some quick research here. And if that's already the case, then man, you got to be excited about, you know what, he's going to continue uh, to bring to the table. But again, I think he solidified himself as RB1. I like that Iowa got Jazz Patterson involved a little bit more. At the same time, if you're going to potentially burn his red shirt or use one of his games, I would have liked to see him get the ball a few more times on the ground instead of just getting it three or four times, especially in this sort of game, maybe at the end, just get him some more run. Uh, But looking back at some notable freshman seasons, Adam Robinson at 834 in 2009, Liddell Betts, Caleb Johnson's coach had 679, Tyler Goodson had 638 and Marcus Coker had 622. Caleb Johnson has 553 after today with three games left in a bowl game, Sean, at least, He's going to have a shot to overtake a lot of those numbers. And let's not forget, and this is something we'll dive more into next week during our podcast. I was not out of the Big Ten West somehow. I think that Illinois game is going to come back and bite them on the butt. But Iowa fans have to go from hating Purdue and hating Jeff Brom and hating Charlie Jones, at least some of the fan base, to being their biggest supporters. Because Purdue's playing Illinois next week. And then Illinois has to play against Michigan. If Illinois loses two out of three and Iowa wins out, Iowa's going back to Indy. So things could get very, very chaotic. Again, I think Iowa took another step forward. I gave them all A's, I believe, in my report card, including special teams. I gave Drew Stevens the benefit of the doubt with the wind and the weather conditions on that 44-yarder. The ball looked like it was just funky. And for how good Torrey Taylor was, I thought there were some good things there as well. But at the same time, Sean, Iowa can't let their foot off the pedal. They have to have some momentum in that second half. The second half, Purdue really, really slowed down Iowa, and the game really was never a doubt after that 75-yard run. But you still would have liked to see Iowa string together some more things offensively in that second half, I think. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Yeah, no, I agree with you, and that's that's crazy to think about, too, with the way that, you know, things are looking with uh... – the Big Ten West, I mean, Illinois really – I mean, not many people expected them to lose today. I mean, yeah. Michigan State coming off a a high emotion loss to Michigan. A lot of people down them. I mean, Michigan State's a talented team, but, you know, just haven't been able to put it together this year. But, I mean, Illinois, I mean, like you said, I mean, the Big Ten West, like we knew that it would be ridiculous this year in, you know, not the best way. Illinois, I still think, is a very good football team, but – you know, matchup wise, I think they'll have a good. I think they'll beat Purdue next week, but I mean, it's still one of those games where 
you know, you could have one guy that could really hurt you, and that could be Charlie Jones and Nate O'Connell. Now, yeah, if Purdue maybe was at the beginning of the year, or at least I know. I mean, I know they lost a couple of games. They played Florida, Florida Atlantic close, but I mean, if Purdue does does what it does did against Minnesota, have a really good defensive game, and you know, I don't know how much their run defense will be able to hold up against Chase Brown in Illinois. I mean, I do think Purdue has a team that can beat Illinois, but. I think from the matchup perspective, what we've seen the past two times from Purdue, that the Illini are going to have a really good chance of winning that game. But to keep it, you know, optimistic, there there is a chance still. And that's crazy to think about considering where things were at after that Ohio State loss because, you know, things were a lot yeah. of doom and gloom. And, I mean, now Iowa has probably played two of their best games of the regular season or at least two of their most encouraging offensive performances. We know that the defense is going to deliver. We know that the defense is going to be there. But offensively, if this team clicks like it did and it continues to do that, they have a very good chance of winning out. And I think they could really beat um, Minnesota on the road. I know it's in two weeks. And Wisconsin is playing at, you know, barely beat Nebraska this week or Nebraska played them close. But, you Maryland. know, Wisconsin's going to be a tough – or, yeah, sorry. Well, Maryland. no, the Maryland I was game, thinking keep, Minnesota. keep in mind, they, they aren't throwing the – they didn't throw the ball at all because of how bad the elements were too. Right. Right. I was saying, yeah, from a, you know, perspective, the way that Wisconsin's playing right now, I mean, they, they're playing like they got nothing to lose because yeah. with everything that happened with the coaching and obviously they do, you know, anything to, to beat Iowa, but yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be one of those games, man, where it's going to be a dog fight. There's going to be um, a lot of emotion in this game and, I mean, I know we say it every week, but this is the most important game of the year for the Hawkeyes. Like this one right here. I mean, I know we've said it time and time again, but just because the Big Ten West one, is back on the table. Yeah, this one might be the most even in my mind from a personnel perspective. I think sure. Wisconsin has the edge in the passing game. That's weird to say with all the struggles like Graham Mertz has had throughout his career, but he's been, you know, emerging a little bit better this year. Um I think, you know, maybe it's a little more even than it was in past years. I mean, obviously last year it looked like the edge to, was to Wisconsin. But I think a lot of people are going to be kind of rejuvenated with this game too, especially the fan base and, you know, the way that the environment could be inside Kinnick Stadium. That could really, really, really play a big difference. Caleb Johnson, buckle up again. Because that's the type yeah. of back that wins you in Iowa versus Wisconsin, Sean. It really is. And, you know, something I want to dive into very quickly, then we'll have our final takeaways before we wrap this up, is Spencer Petras had a quote post game where he said, no offense to anyone in here. You guys had us dead two weeks ago, as did the whole outside world, it felt like. But that's not what football is. It's week by week, week to week. You keep working. If you do things right, work hard, good results happen. Now, I think it's there's a couple layers to this that I think are fair to break down. One Iowa fans don't have to be all up in arms, cheer, everything's great, because just because you're hot for two weeks does not mean the issues are fixed at all, and it doesn't discount the struggles that Iowa had earlier this season. But from a player's perspective, after all the crap that Spencer Petras has taken, and some of it rightfully so, okay? I mean, that's just the reality of playing quarterback at a Big Ten Power 5 level. You have to let the players feel good about how far they've come in the past couple weeks. Iowa has played against some stellar defenses this season. They've struggled. They had an opening for the past two weeks. They've taken advantage of it. Spencer Petras played some good football. 
Now it's going to be important for them not to go on a victory lap because they're still, you know, they could win eight games. They could get to a bowl game. They could win nine games. They could get back to Indy, right? They could still do all these things. And you got to let the players be happy about it. And you, you can't really, you shouldn't be critical of them for that. But it's not unfair for fans to be like, this should have been earlier, just based on the expectations, based on how bad the Big Ten West is. Um, and, and again, I get it. The, the, Spencer might be trying to fire up his locker room more. I think it's fair for fans to feel the way they feel. But I, at the same time, I think it's completely valid for Spencer Petras to, to think that way and have that sort of mindset because I think that's been something that has really pushed him forward over the past couple of weeks. And Sean, I mean, maybe getting benched against Ohio state in that second half has really reignited Spencer Petrus. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I think the level of, you know, opponents and competition has dropped down a little bit too, but yep. I think you have to keep in mind, like Purdue is a better team than probably a lot of people gave him credit for coming into this game. They had a pretty solid defense in my mind and, you know, I think Iowa had a game plan that really worked well to their strengths. And, you know, I'm not going to say the weather played every role in it, but I think it played a pretty big factor in how Iowa wanted to play versus how Purdue wanted to play. And it worked in Iowa's favor. So, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people would really would kill for eight and four, considering what the season looked like at one point. Yeah. I mean, Iowa looked dead in the water. And now there's a chance where they can make a – you know, decent bowl game if they continue on this path. I mean, obviously it's not going to be the Rose Bowl or the Sugar Bowl or whichever bowl that Iowa could have played in, but it's it's a bowl game. And that's a lot considering where things were at, you know, probably a month yeah. ago. Yep. And even after the South Dakota State game, even after the Iowa State game, you know, things are looking on and up. And, you know, that's, that's what you like to see. And, I mean – Illinois losing to Michigan State kind of tells you the whole story of that too, because there's a lot of there's a lot of ball game left to be played. And Kirk, I mean, I know Kirk pisses people off when he says that that there's a lot of football left to be played, but there is a lot of football left to be played. And that's one thing that's really interesting going into the later half of the year because a lot of people were already riding off this season going into next season. But with the way things are looking now, I mean you really have to be encouraged about how Iowa can close out this season because it's not done yet. There is a lot of football left to be played. And with the way Iowa's playing, I mean, they might be one of the more dangerous teams in the Big Ten West. I would put them up there with Wisconsin. Think, I mean, Minnesota, I know they've struggled here and there, but in a little iffy. But, I mean, I think Wisconsin, Iowa, you have to put them at that top group. I mean, yeah. I know Illinois is not, not that out of the water yet. They're still at the top of the Big Ten West. But if they lose to – um, Purdue next Purdue. week, then yeah. you're looking at, you know, a Big Ten West that's pretty open. We'll see. I it, mean, it, I would, if I'm, if, if, if I'm an Iowa fan, I would like my chances stacking myself up against the rest of the Big Ten West right now. I would too. I mean, and, I know that's not saying a lot, but, but that's all you need to be to get back to Indy. And that should be the goal at this point is to do everything you can to help yourself to get back to Indy. Like, there's no sense in looking back in terms of what the football team should be focused on. They should be looking at, hey, we're going to finish 3-0. We're going to give our sh- chance to go to Indy, and we'll see what happens. We'll see it on, how it unfolds. And this is where Kirk Ferentz does deserve credit. Iowa's won 12 straight games in November. They've won 12 straight November games. It's the third longest streak in the country. So I get that, you know, Iowa's gone through 
multiple game losing streaks over the past couple of years, but Iowa finds a way to bounce back. And I know they didn't play well against Michigan last year in the big 10 championship. They didn't particularly play well against Kentucky. I thought either Sean, but in November, Iowa finds a way to turn it up. And it's going to be very interesting to see if Brian Ferentz and this offense can keep taking steps forward. And the number one way they're going to do that is continue the line stability, feed Caleb Johnson and put Spencer Petrus in a position to succeed. Those are all things that are controllable var- variables for Brian Ferentz and for this offense. And based on the, how the offensive line's looking as well, I thought they had their hiccups. But again, Sean, I thought they did a really nice job in a lot of areas. And based on what I've seen right now, you keep the starting four guys where they're at, including Colby left guard. Proctor gets on campus in, in January. You throw him where Jack Plum is, and you rock with that starting five. Then you do some rotational stuff at guard with the other guys. And if you do that, and I've said this for the past maybe month or so at least, and I think you've backed me up on this, there's a pretty bright future for this Iowa offensive line if things go according to plan and the injury bug stays away from them. Like I still believe in the potential of the Iowa offensive line. I think last couple of weeks they've really started to begin to show that sort of potential and commodity that they can form. Yeah, maybe this is the uh, the football version of the Tony Perkins switch to the starting lineup, putting Jordan Bohannon at the one, like it was for basketball. I mean, you know, I'm interested to see the pro yeah. football focus grades, but it seems like this offensive line has has started to figure it out a little bit more. I know Jack Plum hasn't had, you know, his best days during his time at Iowa, especially at tackle, but. You know, I think with the way things were looking and things are looking now, I mean, I know Logan Jones struggled a little bit too today at center, giving up a couple sacks and a couple tackles for loss. But, you know, as a whole, I thought this unit did a really good job. And, you know, it's just something you got to keep riding with. And I think Kirk mentioned on Hawk Talk this week too that he feels pretty confident about this group moving forward. And that's that's really all you can ask at this point. And, again, people need to be patient with Logan Jones. This is his first year playing center. He's a defensive tackle. Like not everybody's Tyler Linderbaum. I mean, let's let's get one thing yeah. clear. And those expectations were ridiculous. So, final takeaway for me, Sean, I thought it was as good of a performance as you could ask. I didn't expect Iowa to come guns a blazing. I thought they had a good game plan. They gave the ball to Caleb Johnson, the amount of times at least I wanted him to to get it minimum. Petrus, I thought made a couple really good throws, including that forty-one yard Laporta couple touchdowns. I thought he played well. The O-line showed some things. The D-line continued to show promise. And it was good overall team defense against a Purdue offense that has generally, generally really, really tore up Iowa's secondary. Like very, very few teams can consistently do year after year. Yeah. Yeah. They, like I said before, I mean, you just got to keep chipping away. You got to keep chipping away doing what you need to do to win. In Iowa, I know you know they're not going to be the sexy team that wins games by a bunch of points, but if you do what you do, I mean, there's no reason why they shouldn't win the rest of the games, especially with the with the level of opponents they have. Because, off- I mean, defensively, you know they're always going to bring it. Offensively, that's obviously still a question mark, but the last two weeks and what they've done, you get that run game going, you get that offensive line going, you get a couple completions here and there. You get Deontay Vines involved in the passing game too. Yeah. Like you have so many more options and so much more flexibility with this offense. You know, you're starting second down and with at second and four, second and five, rather than second and ten, third and ten. And that's a major difference. 
from what, you know, they had to start the year, what they had, you know, the first couple games of the year and a big reason why the offense was so just bleh, you know, but with the way they've started and the way they've started games and the way they've kind of, you know, put these drives together, like complete drives, that is, that is a major facet. I'm going to look at the drives right now. Man, there was a lot of drives in this game. Well, especially Nine. that third quarter. I think they had like six in the first like seven minutes or seven or eight minutes. Yeah, in the third quarter. <laughs> I mean, they had some pretty big, pretty big chunk plays too. I mean, their longest yep. yard or their long. I mean, that drive of ninety-one yards in four minutes kind of set the tone for a touchdown. You have, I mean, that next drive they had a, uh, they had an interception. I think it was three yards or. No, they didn't have an interception. I can't remember. I know the, it led the, to a the touchdown. The thing was, though, too, like I said, the thing that's startling to me is in that second half, and, and this does it includes the 75-yard touchdown, but remember, there's a 75-yard touchdown when I tell you this stat, okay? So Iowa had seven second-half drives. One of them went for five or more plays, and that was for 12 yards. After Iowa's 75-yard touchdown run, Iowa combined for let me do some quick math here. Iowa combined for 33 yards the rest of the game after that 75 yard drive. Like I said, they started off hot, the defense stayed with it, but Iowa's offense cannot afford to get conservative. When you have the momentum for as bad as they've been this year, they have to find a way to keep attacking. So if there is one big red flag I have for that this game, Sean, it's definitely that. They have to find a way to just chip away at the clock, control time of possession, and keep getting the momentum and pushing it forward. Yeah, no, no doubt. I I don't disagree with you for a second there. You you hit on it. It kind of seemed like there was a little bit of a lapse here and there. But, I mean, hey, you can't – like, I mean, they've known in the past. I mean, Nebraska's yeah. going to play close regardless who they have on the field. Minnesota wants to beat you as bad as anyone and Wisconsin's going to do what they, they want to do to beat you, too, especially with the way that their season's going. So you can't afford to give those lapses up. I mean, no. Purdue is probably the most potent offense that they'll play the rest of the year, but, you know, you still you still got to be on your toes at all times. Sure. So Sean and I will be back in a few days to break down everything Iowa-Wisconsin. So be sure to stay tuned to HawkeyeInsider.com for that in 24-7 sports. Please follow us on Twitter at David Eichel at SBOC247 and at Hawkeyes on 247. And we'll be back in a few days to uh, continue breaking down this Iowa Hawkeye football and basketball season. Sean, basketball tips off on Monday. So, again, stay tuned to Hawkeye Insider for that. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions and you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.